This is the Cop Think Podcast, where we answer the question, why do the police do what they do? I'm the host, Brian Casey. My guests are Eric Hagel. He's a Minneapolis police sergeant. And Ed, oh, darn it, I was going to prepare this ahead of time. Let me try it. Go ahead. Um, Ed Chaccio. That's it. Or Jersey Ed. And I was going to get to that, too. That's your nickname. And I think that'll reveal itself there. Yes, so. of course. Um, and uh, Ed is from uh, Genesis House. And uh, later in the program, I want to make sure you, you spend some time talking about Genesis House. I thought for our topic today would be my part in my recovery. Because I've heard both of you guys, uh, since I've known you, mention some things that you did. In fact, um, one of the motivation, one of the ideas about doing a podcast came out of writing a book on officer wellness. And I was very stingy in the acknowledgement section, but I acknowledge both of you guys because you really impacted me in a really good way. Um, mm. Ed, you were, I thought, super you know, eager and supportive of uh, working with cops and thinking about uh, my point of view on things. And Eric, I, I wrote in the, on, under you, for you, Eric, I wrote, uh, yeah, you're a co-conspirator in truth-telling. <laughs> I'll just, uh, let me just start out by saying that. I, because I'm not in recovery, I don't have a substance use disorder. I don't struggle with that. Um, the joke is I could stop any time. <laughs> no. That's what our joke was, too, <laughs> at one point <laughs> yep. in our life. <laughs> but, a couple of years. <laughs> but because of that, because I knew this was going to be a big part of my role as the EAP director at my department and working with officers with drinking problems, I thought I need more. I need to get a better, a deeper understanding of this issue. So, um, I've, I've I've relied on both of you guys to help me with that. So, and thanks. Yes, we do have some experience in that that, mm -hmm. that department, I guess. <laughs> the uh, you learned it the hard way, huh? School of hard knocks. I went to almost. Uh, 18 years was that a night school or a day school oh, it was a it was a 24 hour seven days a week <laughs> non-stop school <laughs> it's, a, it's a combo yeah you got to keep a lot of things straight what I, right. what I was going to say is is it was always so easy to talk to you about that stuff because i could tell um even though you you you're what we would call normal right when it comes <laughs> to those things in that regard yeah but you always had i mean i could really tell the interest you had in what I was talking about. Um, it was different than when you're trying to explain it to someone who's just, you know, nodding along. It was... Oh, thanks for that. I think part yeah. of it was curiosity mm -hmm. and part of it was fear, mm -hmm. um, meaning I knew what I was up against. I knew how this is a real mm -hmm. issue uh, amongst our 600 sworn people and other people that rely on me. And I was scared. I was scared that I didn't know enough and that I would make mistakes. And Eric, you know, I've even talked to you about st what what would you do in this scenario kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's been very helpful. And, and you know, I guess that's what, that's what made it easy for me or made me always want to come back and tell you more and more stuff because I thought uh, this is actually going to get out and help people because mm -hmm. I could tell you were taking it in to use it somewhere down the road. So oh. it was really, I mean, it, it meant something to me too. Huh. And one thing I do have to say every time we met, and we've known each other for years now, um, and you would always be curious asking questions, and you weren't afraid to ask those questions. And I do remember you always saying, well, what if I make a mistake, or what if this? Or, but, you know, there's, there's, it's, nothing's ever perfect, you know, and I think that's what you realize, but you always wanted to get more and more information and 
um, you know, you would always sit with me for hours sometimes in that smoky cigar lounge. I'm yeah. sure your wife was not happy the way you came home smelling, <laughs> but you would ask those questions and, 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 um, and be honest that, you know, you want to learn more and more. And that's what impressed me about you. And also, um, you have a great uh, opportunity here with St. Paul. Are we allowed to say that? Are you, sure. Okay. <laughs> with St. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. And um, We're talking not, about the saint or the city? <clears throat> the city. Oh, okay. with, with the city, because um, a lot of, a lot of um, police departments, large police departments, don't have an EAP. Um, and St. Paul is very lucky to have you and very lucky to, to have you do what you're doing as far as the EAP um, and, and getting all this information and trying to keep these cops healthy and well. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Well, it's true. So, well, you know, um, I don't, I can't remember if we were, you said this right away or if we did this off mic as we get ready, but uh, we're talking about someone, one of you brought up the word addict. Do you, do you guys, uh, the current term, uh, right now is substance use disorder or alcohol use disorder. It makes sense. However, it's three words. We're addict or alcoholic, we're one. Um, do, do, you, do you relate to that term, substance use disorder? Do you claim that or do you think, what do you think of that? Got her. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I identify myself as an alcoholic in recovery. Um, and when I went through, you know, multiple treatments and, and when, I, when I got better, I needed to identify as that. I don't, for some reason, I needed to say that, that that's what I am, right? And that's what I'm always going to be, and I can live in the solution every day. But I, I needed to be that because the second that I just have a disorder, this is for me now, if I just have a disorder or I'm somehow a little bit different, then I can convince myself or my brain can convince me that, hey, then, then maybe you're not as bad as you thought you were, mm -hmm. right? And then, I'm, and then I'm using again. Yeah. Wow. So... For me, and in fact, I, it, it's like once I got sober and I had some sobriety, I, I, I was like proud to say it. Um, the same thing with, you know, I always use, use alcoholic, but had I, had I tried any other substances, I'd be an addict, mm -hmm. right? And so it's, it's easy to almost use them interchangeably for mm -hmm. me. Oh, that's a good point. So mm -hmm. when you use a, um, a, a substance other than alcohol, it's easier to use the term addict. Mm -hmm. When I identify myself, and, and early on I was doing this, I'm, I'm, I have a few 24 hours under my belt, and years and years ago, the, the old timers, or dinosaurs as we call them, they don't want to hear you talking about anything but alcohol in the meetings. And I, I, I always identified myself as an addict alcoholic. Because I can get hooked to anything. Jeez, mm -hmm. I run like a maniac. I just ran 10 miles on, on Sunday. I'm thinking, should I run today? I mean, I can get hooked to anything. You know, water I drink, like it's going out of style and whatever it is, I can. But that's healthy, healthy things that I do. Yeah. But the unhealthy things, too, it, for anything from um, drugs, alcohol, sex, um, gambling, um, whatever it is, it, you know, food. Um, it, it's, it's still an addiction and I can, I can open myself up to that and, and it can happen if I'm not taking care of myself. So I need to remind myself and I really don't care what anybody in the room thinks what I say. This is my program. I'm working it the way I need to work it. And we're talking about, um, 12 step meetings. Uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's what I'm yep. talking about here. Yep. Um, and I really don't care because I'm the one who needs to take care of myself and, um, you know, that's how I work my program. As far as a substance abuse dis disorder, 
just like Eric said, um, I can co-sign anybody's bullshit and especially mine. Excuse my language. <laughs> but uh, do you guys use those words in St. Paul? <laughs> um, but I can. I really can. And and the minute I co-sign it, I'm done. And, what do you uh, mean? What, I don't get it, the co-sign. Um, just, just, you know, put a stamp on my bullshit, oh, like, okay. like just make, make my, my BS legitimate. be okay and yeah. le- yep. be legitimate and, Le- or uh, legitimize it. Exactly. Oh, okay. and, and the minute I do that, you know, um, first of all, I'm co-signing my own <laughs> number one <laughs> and that's never good. And, uh, number two, just, uh, just to, just to have it, you know, just to have that in your mind and bouncing around. What's the What's the old saying that the, the addicts um, to be alone in an addict's mind is a terrible. What's What's that neighborhood old neighborhood or whatever? Yeah, yeah bad yep. bad neighborhood yep. to be in yeah. is your yep. own mind or something yep. like that. So um, I can't think of all these. You know, here's cliches. something I've noticed for both of you guys is um, kind of like a distru- uh, What I would consider a healthy distrust of yourself sometimes. Absolutely. What does Absolutely. that mean to you? Because because mm. like right now. So, so my addiction to alcohol, we'll say, it's still there. And it's still, I mean, it's still working to get back out. So if I trust that, that, oh, I can, you know what I mean? I can kind of let my guard down. I can, you know, maybe I don't need meetings. I don't need this. I don't need that. You know what? I just have a substance use disorder. Now, this is me I'm talking about. Well, then all of a sudden, maybe that's the avenue that my disease can say, yeah, you can have a few. Mm -hmm. All right. And, And I've tried the few a bunch of times i mean it took me you know the first after my first treatment sorry second but my first inpatient um i was just going to celebrate with the little uh whatever little eight whatever they call them, the little, little bottles, airplane bottles. Yeah. yeah yeah uh and within a day i was i was back right i mean it made perfect sense to you. It made absolutely oh, yeah. because I had earned that, and then that was going to be my last time. And it was almost like it was going to be on my terms too, you know. Um, like I had to quit for other reasons before, so this was going to be like my official quitting. Well, no, I, all it was is my disease telling me, "Hey, let's get started again." I got this under control. Yep, I can control yep. this. That's the worst thing an addict can yep. say is control. I'll control mm-hmm. it. There is no control. It's out of control. I, end, matter of fact, I end up in handcuffs and probably in back of your guys' cars. That's not just figuratively, mm-hmm. but um, <clears throat> that's what would happen. And that's what I say. I, I always say if somebody asks if you want to drink, and I'm feeling a little like out of you know, a little, a little kind of punchy or whatever mm-hmm. i'll say no i'm sorry i'm allergic to alcohol i break out in handcuffs yep. <laughs> <laughs> a little cop joke there for you guys it, 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 but it's it, it's so true when i first heard that it you know and, and, and i wasn't maybe even receptive to the message either because maybe i still thought that this is a control thing and and, and a weak moral character and, and and all that bs right but it really is it, it, it's an allergy because if i have a drink that i can't stop drinking yeah. right and i can't stop trying to get to whatever this perfect place of intoxication is that you're never going to find yeah there's never right? going to be a place. but you're gonna you're gonna be like a tornado causing damage the whole time getting there mm. what, what do they say there's nothing worse than almost enough or something yep. like that. yeah yeah, I, I, yeah. it's yeah. it's i i, I and to this day, you know, I, we would talk about like you're chasing that first high or that first drunk. I don't even know if that's what I was chasing. I think maybe I romanticized in my mind what I was chasing, and I don't what, what that drunk yeah. what that drunk was going to be. Yeah. It's like a perfect. You sit mm-hmm. at the the perfect mm-hmm. bar. You sit yep. at the perfect there it is beach, and yep. the drink is handed by this beautiful woman, and mm-hmm. you have this beautiful scene. That's not what it is, man. Mm-hmm. I was in a yep. shitty, beat up 
bar in the backwoods somewhere paying three dollars for a, a thing of beer nobody cared where i was except for you know my loved ones and they didn't care what was going on the, the bar was disgustingly dirty and it, it just didn't happen that way it just it just what was in my mind was not reality and that's what a lot of addicts and alcoholics we have to we have to really think about reality to us is completely different than what reality might yep. be and and you know in our minds so well, I'd heard one of you guys say or something, something about getting choice. Speaking of control, one of the great things about recovery or where you get to a better state of recovery, if that's the right term, where you start to get choices back again versus just being pulled along by your uh, not wanting to feel crappy or whatever. Well, yeah, you. absolutely. I mean, you know, making choices that, you know, not to god just to just to not to drink to to mm-hmm. be part of my daughter's or my son's um life or just to just to wake up without a hangover is a great choice yep. just to wake up not knowing what you did the night before or looking to the left of you or to the right of you and what's going on and where am i what hotel am i what, what you know what's going on here um not waking up in the back of a police car coming to and and being chained to a bed whatever the case may be um that's the that's the great choices that that, that we we have but yeah, then there's I, good yeah i i think of you know and and, and looking back on it now i you always think you're going to have this this spiritual experience, right? Maybe some white light thing or something something you you thought you saw in a movie or something. Well, I, I, looking back, I I my my first one was when I was you know second time in treatment and I was living in a, in a halfway house in Duluth, 35 years old, right? So I'm, I'm I'm like, what what have I done to myself? I remember walking home from a meeting on a Saturday night. And it was like something, it was like everything was lifted. I was sober for maybe a month and a half, but it really was, I, I just remember thinking, I, I can choose to do anything I want right now. I'm not hurrying. I must have looked at my watch and like that would have been the time I would have been hurrying to, to the liquor store. I'm not, my, my brain isn't racing with lies and bullshit to everyone, right? It was, I was, I was actually free. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I maybe was when I was 16, 15, wow. whatever it was. But that was the first one for me, and that was it. I I could choose to do anything, and here I am. I'm just walking along in Duluth. It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, well, it gives us a freedom of of you know our mind is mm-hmm. our, the only thing that can hold mm-hmm. us back, and um, before it's the alcohol and the drugs mm-hmm. and the the tied down to the addiction that held us you you know your mind's a a tough thing even when you're not using um it can control you from doing things that you don't think you can do um i always say if you're if you're if you think you've done your if you think you push as hard as you can you're only at 40 percent um and that's with anything in life and now you take an addiction or you take something that's even even more kind of uh, holding you back then you're really doing nothing in life i mean the i was 28 when i got sober and I accomplished absolutely nothing at 28. When I got sober, by the age 30, I was running, I ran, I think, three marathons by that time. You know, tw- when I was 28, I was like, there's no way I'm going to write. You know, I don't even know what a marathon is, let alone that. So, mm-hmm. so yes, it definitely controls. It definitely kind of puts a damper on your life. And, and you, you just don't have any, any say in life, basically. You're just, you're not free. <clears throat> no. You are not free. And, and when people talk about... How much of your day does it take up? Well, once you get away from it and look at your whole day, it mm-hmm. really does. Yeah, you can you can fake your way through life and relationships and work and everything, but none of those things are getting even remotely what they should. No. And then once you start, once those things start to fall off the wayside, and all you care about is using, 
Yeah. And it is, it's your whole day mm-hmm. and you're not free oh, because yeah. the disease is controlling every choice yeah. that you're making. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's your first love. It's what you think about mm-hmm. continuously. Oh. You plan your yeah. life around yeah. it. Ed, how about you? What Eric told that story when he was up in Duluth and mm-hmm. he kind of came to this kind of, what was one of, what are your experiences of like, wow, this is how life could be. Like my come to, yeah. um, come, that's interesting. You use that phrase. It's almost yeah. like waking like up. A, maybe. Uh, like an, um, we call it a, um, uh, spiritual awakening. Okay. So my first spiritual awakening was, um, in, uh, it's still in my addictive, in my addiction. Um, I was married, three kids live with my mother. We were on food stamps in Wick. Um, I was working at a big orange box store. I was a manager there and I was dating a girl there. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's an honest program. Um, I ended up at this girl's house, disappeared for three days. My wife, nobody knew where I was. Um, I woke up one morning and I said, this, this is not good. I can't do this anymore. Um, I didn't run out of money. I didn't run out of cocaine. I didn't run out of anything. Um, I, I, matter of fact, she had booze and everything there. And I just had this spiritual awakening, um, before cell phones, (laughs) you know, we had to end up, um, calling my wife and I said, um, can you come? Can you, that wasn't me, sorry. Can you come uh, and uh, come pick me up? And I told her where I was. And it was not a good, not a good mm-hmm. feeling that I told her that. But it was kind of a sense of relief. So I think that was my first relief, my first of, okay, this is, this is enough. Not only did she come down and pick me up, um, which was an hour away, she brought my mother with her. So. <laughs> well, was it a relief that the truth was out? Yes, it was a relief that the truth was out, 100%. But I didn't know where to go from there. Okay. Um, then I decided to um, try to commit suicide, half-ass attempt. Um, and the only reason why I did that was because I wanted to... Um, I knew there was some way. I knew there was this thing called uh, recovery or, or AA or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to get there. All I knew was how to get to the bar and, and how to drink and find a dope man and get my cocaine. That's all I knew. Um, but I tried to commit suicide. My wife called the um, called the hospital and said, bring her bring it into the St. Clair's, blah, blah, blah. And next thing I know, um, I'm in recovery and... And here it is all these years later and life is really good. Um, but it, it was a hard road and, and even in recovery, it isn't easy, you know, and, and that's just one of the struggles, but that was my, my aha, aha moment I call it, or, or my spiritual awakening. Now you had that when you were in recovery, I, I got it a little, I understood that there might be some freedom before that, before I stopped drinking. One for, thanks. Um, Eric, one thing that I want to insert here is that you're mm-hmm. 35 years old. You had been a police officer in Minneapolis. Yep. And probably yep. as best you knew, you would never be a cop again. And maybe you didn't even care. I don't know. But you, you had taken a big fall. Yep. So, so I, had, I had taken this, this big fall. You know, I, I had left the job more on a medical leave. Um, and and I, I tried treatment once. The treatment was great. It was what I did afterwards. Well, it got to you know a crisis point where I was hospitalized and I had to go again. Um, and even then, uh, you know, there was even even as I was at treatment, I was I, I had a lot of complications in the hospital. And I remember thinking, while I was at treatment, like, why didn't God take me? I was almost I was almost angry, huh. you know, that, that that selfishness. And so I wasn't even seeing clearly. Um, but kind of when, so we fast forward to my uh, Duluth and the halfway house, 
and it, you know, at that moment when, when I was really free. Yeah. And that was one of the things too. I didn't care. It was like, I have my, I have a life now, right? No matter if I go back to the police department, if I do any of those things again, I, I can, I can live like this, yeah. you know, and that's what I think. I think it's all those factors that went into it that it really hit me. You know, one thing you told me once, I hope you'd be willing to tear it again, no, that absolutely. point at the hotel mm-hmm. where, you know, if you're any cop, um, even Ed, you remember when you did that right along with me, we mm-hmm. go to a hotel where someone oh is, God, yeah, yeah. Uh, what maybe people think of as a rock bottom. Uh, and I know in your, in your, 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 your field, you know, you try to bring the bottom up. The point is, is that tell that story about that. It's just pretty stark. Oh yeah. I mean, so the, after my first treatment came back and thought you were were too smart for it or what? Well, I was, I was going to do that little celebration and then I was going to do some other things and then I was gonna somehow quit. And so finally, but it was, but it was all, it was back to all the same stuff. The line to my wife, just lying to everyone about using just anything to use. So Finally, my wife had, had had enough, and she said, you know, um, you're going to have to leave until you get better, and, and don't come home until you get better. So I went to one of these, I won't say the name of it, but a hotel where, as a cop, I would look at these places and mm. say, this is where people go to die, mm. because we would go to deaths, and they were usually the same story, you know, overdose or someone who dies in their 40s. Back in Jersey, we call them the no-tell motels. There you go. <laughs> yep. And now I'm at one of them, and, and, and I don't know, I mean... I. You know, I, I, but I was all stocked and I had booze and I think I signed up for the room for a week so no one would bother me, you know, that whole thing. And it, it's funny. I, I don't know what, and maybe this was one of those moments too and didn't even realize it, but I, I had uh, woke up and had some nightmares and, and I remember thinking if I don't leave here, I'm going to die. I, I don't know how, you know, if it's going to be at my own hands or if it's just going to be, you know, I'm going to drink myself to death. Um, because I was a lot sicker then too, because of course you, you don't know that you can look in the mirror and say, I look fine. Mm -hmm. But really I knew that if I didn't leave there, I would die. And so I I called my wife and she said, yeah, you can come home, you know, temporarily till we can find a place for you to get better. What's, what's worse. I shouldn't say worse, but I I guess, um, I don't want to compare anybody's, um, Mm -hmm. addiction or, or their, their journey, but like being a cop and protecting people. And, and knowing that your life is falling apart inside. So you look at yourself in the mirror saying, okay, I got it all together, but you know, deep down inside that, that it's not, it's, it's not right. And have you, have you, I'm sorry, I'm interviewing him now, but have you gone through that? I mean, I, I, I I can just imagine that. I mean, you know, you're protecting people and now you got to try to keep it all together. Well, what was hard for me is because when I, when I was using, it was almost like I could, I could convince myself of anything. Right. So I never really faced that just mm-hmm. because I wouldn't allow myself okay. to. Right. Okay. Like, no, I'm fine. I can I can take care of everything. What was really hard for me was when I was a new cop, I was so judgmental of people mm-hmm. right now. And I had become that person that was so easy to, uh, to, yeah, to, yeah. to pick on. Yeah. Right. Or, or, to you know, or to just kind of cast off like you don't matter. Mm-hmm. Right. And now I'm that guy because I, I've said and I know I've said this to Brian a bunch of times. The only thing that separated me and, and some of the homeless population I used to deal with, right, is that I had a suburban basement to hide in and drink vodka, and I had places to hide those bottles mm-hmm. temporarily. I didn't have to be under a bridge. Yeah. But the addiction part of it and where it was going to lead me or a homeless guy, well, there's no difference. No, it's you know? the same journey. Yep, yeah. and that's what I think helped me so much in treatment and in, you know, I guess, in recovery, is that there isn't that much mm-hmm. of it. You know, there's that... that 
tiny degree of separation. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Brian, that's Go my ahead. podcast uh, the, I know. Uh, interviewing. Well, Sorry. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good reason you're here, Ed, because okay. you do have a podcast I want to talk about. And mm -hmm. also you run a tre you work at a treatment facility. Uh, and I want cops to hear that and mm -hmm. how your take on that. Also, uh, Eric, too, has just been really helpful for me because um, he's a Minneapolis cop who uh, is on this went on this path. And one of the things I maybe can tell right now that I think that any listeners mm -hmm. need to know is that you returned to the police work a better employee than you left. Absolutely. And have been having a fabulous career. Yep. 100%, no question. I mean, I'm doing things now that I would have never even dreamed of before. Mm -hmm. Right, even, I mean, getting promoted and, you know, and getting a chance to, uh, you know, help a lot of people in the department and other departments mm -hmm. uh, through my experience. But... I just never, I mean, this would have never worked out, right? I mean, I would, I would have lost a lot of stuff. And, and I say that too, even let's, let's say I wouldn't have, have been, let's say I wouldn't have uh, gone off the cliff, so to speak, as, mm -hmm. as soon as I did, right? I almost think that, that hitting my bottom was better because if I would have been able to just, just kind of drag myself along and continue using, well, then I would have started having consequences. I mean, I wouldn't, oh. I wouldn't be in this occupation anymore. So yeah. now, I mean... I see why people say they're a thankful alcoholic or addict because I'm thankful for that bottom right. and that I was had a chance to redeem myself. Well, you know, and this is something that you and I have talked about when I've kind of run by situations or scenarios. We're not talking about specific people necessarily. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking what if scenarios. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing I learned from you, and I think you come off right now somewhat sympathetic to th those that's suffering with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. However, boy, you are hardcore. And you will really, you've really straightened my mind up, being, not being necessarily mm -hmm. over sympathetic to the shenanigans. I'm one trying to get the, at some of the manipulation. Yep. I mean, one of the one of the major things about the disease of addiction is is manipulation. Mm -hmm. It's the lying. It's the convincing. Right. It's the being the smartest guy in the room. And 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 I say it's part of the disease because you know I I can't speak for Ed, but in, in knowing you, I don't do any of those behaviors when I'm not using. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say it's a part of the disease. And and understand that even if you start seeing some of that stuff, you can't get mad necessarily at the person, but you but you need to call them out on it. Because okay. until I got called out by, by other alcoholics, um, even my wife, after she really knew what the disease of addiction is and how you're not helping someone by enabling them or by just kind of stringing them along. Isn't that and, what an AA meeting's like? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. A lot of truth telling. Well, yeah. And, and, and this pro, this program, and, we're, and we talk about AA, and, and when we talk about a disease, we talk about our alcoholism or our addiction disease, mm -hmm. but it's progress, not perfection. Yep. Just because we're here talking about it and life is good doesn't mean life is good. It means we know how to deal with it in a sober mm -hmm. Um, sane and, and normal way um, without drinking or going mm -hmm. overboard or doing whatever we have to do. But we still have problems. Things yep. still arise. We, we, you know, I got divorced twice in, in recovery. Um, hopefully not a third time, but <laughs> um, still good on that one. But, uh, <laughs> but, but we do make mistakes and that's what the AA, mm -hmm. what AA is about. We, we, it's mm -hmm. what our sponsors are about. That's why I come around and see you. Believe it or not, mm -hmm. you help me out also. I, I get a lot of information from you and you, Eric, when, when I mm -hmm. see you and, mm -hmm. and talk to you and anybody in my network that I, that I, I network myself with people who I can learn from on a daily basis who can help me stay sober and clean. 
you don't necessarily have to be in recovery to do that. Yep. And I don't know if you ever you, you find that, but Brian, I mean, I learn a lot from you well, um, I mean, about for myself for for my recovery. Well, that's good. I think we're all like that too. Is help other, certain people help us see ourselves mm-hmm. too, and mm-hmm. um, and. Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, let say. me just say this real quick while you're while you're checking there. Just it, it, as Ed was talking, <laughs> I, I nice one. It, <laughs> if I mean in our past lives to even get me and him in a room on time here to do, I mean this <laughs> this right here is a miracle. We're, we're both is, here. I is. mean we, we we and there were there were other factors that that you know maybe weather or, or yeah. traffic or things like that. You would have probably missed your plane because I know I would have. It's happened. I would to me have been before. at the airport drinking. Yep, probably. Th- there you go. So I mean, <laughs> I, when you when you look at it like that, I mean, this is kind of fascinating to it me. Is. When you when well, you, that's when I guess that's what I, would, I stalled out on. But I was thinking mm-hmm. it must. I guess it seems obvious now. But you would mm-hmm. much rather face life struggles and life difficulties mm-hmm. sober mm-hmm. than you would not sober. Mm-hmm. Well, we we face them and go through them. When when we were using, we would just or drinking or whatever, we would skirt around them. The, the issues are still going to be there um drinking them away yeah they go away when you're drunk and you're high and you're stolen that night when you wake up in the morning they're compounded probably a a thousand times over um because who knows what you did the night before if you can figure it out then you might be able to do some damage control but that problem that you had or that problem that was going on never gets fixed yeah um now as as you know recovering alcoholics and addicts we we're able to tackle those programs. I mean, those problems. Is it scary? Yeah, absolutely. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Is it? Sometimes you don't want to do it. Yeah, no doubt about it. But you know, we get through them because we know there's going to be hope on the other side. We don't need substances to get through what we, when we think we get through yeah. it. You know, and that that's kind of kind of I guess. I don't even want to talk about, it, but I guess. I well, you know, they also, no, you, I, can, I can even say, I, and, and I bet you see this, Ed, the, that when, when people come to Genesis House, right? They're, mm-hmm. I mean, they're probably at their worst. A lot mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. None of those problems and, and none of that wreckage that they caused, that's all still going to be out there waiting for them. But, yeah. but I bet you see that when they start to have some clarity in a few weeks, they actually are like, well, no, I can, I can deal with this. We can, we can fix this. We can get through them or we can at least mend this to a point where, you know, we can move forward. And that's, that's what I think you're, you're talking. It's funny because all the, those issues don't go away, but you can, you can start working on yeah, them right you away. Can work yeah. on them. You can deal yeah. with them. You can yeah. live through them yeah, instead of just hiding from them or oh, numbing yeah. yourself. Yeah, well, and you, Ed, you said you were like 28 and you're like, I haven't accomplished anything. I, I imagine that's a huge part of people have lived year after year um, with a drinking problem or whatever. It's like that arrested development. It's like oh, yeah. Yeah. everybody well, else made progress in their lives while I didn't. And well, now I'm suddenly. Yeah. Well, thank God I got sober at 28. I mean, I look back. I wish I was 28 again. But, uh, um, but you know, I, at least I had my whole life ahead of me. There's some people that that yeah. I deal with that are 50, 60. I had an 80 year old one come in once. Yeah. But you know, at least they're getting sober. Sure. But at least I had that whole that whole. One, maybe you get a chance to repair ahead. some of those relationships. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It, it you know it takes a long time. Sometimes at my ex wife, my first ex wife. It took almost 20 years to repair. Um, we're on talking terms. Um, we, we've been divorced a long time. And this past Christmas in 2019 was my my daughter because she was pregnant when yeah. uh, when um, when all this went down with my last daughter. And we never spent a Christmas together. So my daughter, Britt, never had a Christmas with her mom and dad together. Oh. So we spent Christmas at my son's house in, oh. in 2019. 
and we got her a, a little uh, ornament that says Brit's first Christmas with mom and dad. Oh, well, I've got <laughs> so a, little, <laughs> a little surprise that both your ex-wives are here right now. Come on out, ladies. Oh, my God. Um, that would be a, be a sight unseen. Yeah, just, but, uh, um, but that's what recovery does. And does it, it doesn't come in our time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you think what you're going to, you well, if you think you're going to, you know, come in recovery because you want to get your wife back mm-hmm. or if you want to get your job back or if you want to, God has other things planned for you. And, and it's, it's his time, not ours. And I'm not a, I'm not a God person. I'm not a preacher to it, but I do believe there is, I, it is my higher power. Oh, and I God. do believe. <laughs> I'm laughing because you say you're not a God person. Why do you just, I know you get on your knees. You've admitted I, it. I do. I know that I you're do. wearing a well, crucifix I, on your neck right now. I do, I do, um, and I thank God for every moment for what I have. I, I'm just not a preachy person, okay, like to, to say, yeah. to say, you know, you should listen to God. Everybody has their own God out there. Everybody has their own belief. Everybody, some people don't believe, and sure, it's okay sure. too. That that's what AA is about. Yeah. Um, there's matter of fact, there's parts in the big book for people who don't believe. Um, but, but you know, it, it's it's just. It's just that there's other plans for us. Our higher power has other plans for us. And if you think you're going to come into the program and you think you're going to get everything back that you want, yeah. you might as well just go out and drink because well, it's not worth for it. Your, uh, I, your I, sec- I, go ahead. I just want to say, too, um, and, and this just as, as I was saying this, it really struck me. It's, it's true. And, and sometimes it's difficult uh, because you go and get sober and all of a sudden now and you're still kind of in this, you know, martyr manipulator mindset. Right. So you expect everyone when you walk out of treatment, like to just treat you like it never happened. Like I just did this heroic thing. I got sober. And that's just so I mean, and it takes time, but you can deal with that stuff sober, obviously. But everything doesn't come back immediately. And it shouldn't because you spent some time damaging a lot of relationships. Sure. And just because you got sober, you know, it takes time. It, it takes time for people to come around. And I'm a big believer that, that a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes time. And then and 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 the truth about that is it's through the actions that mm-hmm. you take going right. forward. And, and words some, and don't some, mean anything. Yeah, words and, and promises. Exactly, yep. yeah. Yeah. Some relationships you may not be able to repair. Yep. And you just got to be OK with that. You have to be yep. OK with that with yourself and move on. It's not about it's not about trying to make, the, you know, then you can become an enabler. Mm-hmm. You become a, a people mm-hmm. pleaser trying to fix the really. Oh, my God, Brian, you OK? You know, and you won't, don't want to give me the time of day. If you don't want to give me a time of day and I'm OK with it and I know truly in my heart, I apologize and, and I mm-hmm. know that. You know, I'm I'm kind of, you know, I'm not gonna ever do that again to you. And if you if you don't understand, it's okay. It, it really is. But I have to move on and and do other things yeah. too. I, I need to grow. So, you know, that's good stuff. Um, one of the things that I get calls once in a while because I'm here in Minnesota is from treatment facilities near and far that says, "Hey, I got a cop that's coming back to work and." he or she's really nervous about that transition. And that's probably a real good, healthy fear. That's fine. Um, what can I connect them with? Well, as much as I wish or maybe imagine or, or dream about, we don't have the network that, that I think we could benefit from here locally. But one of the really nice things is I can call Eric and I can call a couple other cops to meet up with that cop and help them transition. One thought I have about this, and Ed, you, I'd like to get your point of view as well, is... When a person is com- working their recovery, and we know that the treatment facility is a huge, obviously a huge step, but a lot of it is um, is stabilizing, mm-hmm. right? And then the rest is how do you apply that in the rest of your life? How do you mend those relationships? How do you make good decisions? How do you live life sober and all that? Um, 
is often I think it seems reasonable that someone would lay low in the rest of their lives while they're working their program. You know, that you'd want a job. So maybe it's okay that you have a job, what I, I hate, to, I don't know how to frame this, below what you think you're capable of, just whether you're a cop or not, let's mm -hmm. say you're not a cop, mm -hmm. just because you got to, I mean, did, was there a period where you went to meetings once a night for uh, uh, that kind of, because sometimes people in sobriety, I understand that, that sometimes they they work it hour to hour. Yes. Um, and then maybe you stretch it out over time. Probably and, for the first five, I know for the first two years, I probably didn't miss a meeting. I would go every day, every night I'd come home from work or go to a meeting in the morning, depending where I was working. Um, and the weekends, I would do two meetings on Saturday, three on Sunday. But life starts to happen also. Um, mm -hmm. AA is about a balance, and, and, re, and your program is about a balance and getting you know, the balance things in, in order. I also had four children I had to take care of. I had to balance that. Then I met my second wife and we got married. So I had to, had to add that in too. Um, I don't eat, sleep and breathe AA all the time. It's, it's, it's there. It's over me. It's hanging around me. And, and I know I can fall back on it anytime I want, but I don't eat, sleep and breathe it because there's other things in life to do. There's other, um, you know, there's other things to experience, but I can experience them sober with the, with the program helping me through that, if that makes sense. Yep. That, um, uh, th that's just a really apt description because, um, yeah, I mean, obviously you, you need to get back into life, but that's what that's what AA helps you do, and it's it's always there. And I I think it's almost like if you're now gonna embrace things that you should have been doing before, that's maybe just an extension of AA is is the way I look at it, because you're actually doing the things that you're you're talking about, and yeah. um, you, you're getting back to maybe where you left off or things you missed out on. It makes sense to me, too, that you would work mm -hmm. the program as hard as you can because you need to retrain your brain and, your, mm -hmm. and, all, and a lot is going on. But I kind of like the imagery of you're working the program, but life takes over. One of you guys just said that, where then you start to compete for other things, compete mm -hmm. for your attention, healthy things mm -hmm. like your responsibilities, mm -hmm. uh, your increasing status at work, uh, other people's mm -hmm. needs, mm -hmm. things like that. And then it kind of maybe pull you away a little bit from your, mm -hmm. though, knowing you guys and this kind of humility thing, you also kind of have always have this distrust a little bit of your numbers or your... Um, uh, you know, uh, you're, you know, a little distrust of your comp not being overly confident too at the same time. Well, I don't, I don't do anything without running it by at least somebody, if it's my <laughs> wife or whatever, uh, whoever, I mean, I call you up sometimes and ask you for advice and I'm not saying, you know, what color socks I should wear or should I, does the, does the orange shirt go with the pink tie? I mean, not those decisions, but you know, like I'd like, say no to that. <laughs> Um, but you know, like the, the big decisions, whatever, whatever it may be. And, yeah. and I, I, I have that network and you are part of that network yeah. and I make, the, you know, I kind of run it by what, whatever that, that is. And that's kind of what, how AA teaches me and, and the program teaches me to make those decisions without maybe, you know, I might have got a meeting in a couple of days or a week or whatever the case may be, but that's how it comes creeping back into my life when, you know, when I, when they're unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. nice. Let me um, let me do a quick commercial here, and then Ed, I want you to talk about about Genesis House and some of the other things that you are doing. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, you might be interested in my book. It's called "Good Cop, Good Cop: A Get Healthy, Stay Healthy Guide for Law Enforcement." I cover a lot of topics that we're talking about now, including there's an entire chapter on alcohol, 
uh, and the subtitle is We Drink to Feel Different. Um, the book can be purchased through Amazon. You can also find more about me or the Cop Think podcast or Blue Watch Officer Wellness Training all at goodcopgoodcop.com. Ed, what can you tell us about some of the other things you're involved in? Oh, uh, well, a lot. <laughs> I, I'm constantly working. I'm constantly helping other fellow alcoholics and addicts. And when I got into this business, um, I don't. I don't think we kind of formally said, told anybody what I did. Um, I am not a police officer. I'm not a first responder, but I work very closely with the first responders. That's how you and I met. I work for a, a company, um, Genesis House. For, uh, we have a first responders program, um, and we are a substance abuse treatment center. We're a residential program down in Florida. And um, for some reason, I just gravitated towards the police mainly, but we do work with a lot of the uh, other um, the other first responders. Um, so that's kind of what we do at, at Genesis House. Um, I also do a couple podcasts. Um, yeah, I want you to tell me so, so people find those. <clears throat> so I do two podcasts here that go perfectly right in uh, with everything. That's a weekly podcast. First podcast is called, um, and you've been on both of them, Brian, several a couple of mm-hmm. couple of times. Um, First, my first uh, podcast that's been going on about two years now, it's called the Friends in Recovery, uh, the Addiction Podcast. And we talk about what we're just talking about here. Mm-hmm. We bring people on in recovery. We maybe share our stories. Um, you name it, we've we've talked about it on, on the show. I have a retired police officer, um, a Lowell a little cop, um, Mike Miles, who used to do your job, not your job, but yeah, what's, he, his, what's his, his nickname? Oh, the pod father. He's the pod father <laughs> and I'm Jersey Ed. And, um, so we do this whole, this whole, um, you know, the whole, this whole show on recovery, not just in, on law enforcement. It's just about recovery. When you came on the show a couple of times and you're, and I read your book, I'm like, well, we can do a podcast for first responders. Um, and it's not, it's not really a podcast about, um, about, uh, addiction. It's, it's a, a, you really inspired me for it's health and wellness for first responders. That could be, we talk anything from, um, you know, suicide prevention to, uh, healthy living to, you know, sleep, sleep. You had a pod (laughs) father would, you know, pod father talked about one time, you know, he lost 35 pounds when he retired because of the eating habits mm-hmm. that he had being a police officer um just the hours i mean we've you name what we talked about and that podcast is called um uh, answering the call of the first responders podcast and it's a friends in recovery um podcast so i do two of them um they're on a weekly um every week tuesdays and thursdays and i guess i guess everything will be in the show notes um, so you guys can look all that up. Um, and then then my job is to help addicts and alcoholics get into treatment. Um, and again, mainly I work with the police officers and, and the first responders. That's my my big share. I guess you I guess all those years you guys were chasing me, I forgot to give you guys a, a hand now. So <laughs> I remember I remember the first time I met you, you um it was very impressive because you pushed your way into my office. <laughs> I mean and I was like, wow, that's I actually you know how cops are with therapists? They like, they actually respect authority. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really respected your um, pushiness. <laughs> and like, this is, I, I got to get this done. I want in. I want to yeah. talk to you. I want you to pay attention to me. Yeah. It was, I, I just really liked it well, a lot. Well, we have, I, I, the program we have, I believe in it. And you, you experienced it too. Yeah. You know, you, you, you sent folks to us. And uh, it's just a good program. So I do believe in it. Sometimes I may come across that way, but. Now we're good friends. Yeah. No, I, I actually liked it. it was, thanks. That's a good thing. Thanks. 
Eric. Uh, well, he's a East Coast guy here. Yeah, so yeah you guys are used right to that. Right in the heart of the Midwest. <laughs> I, I will tell you too. The first time I, I met Ed was was through through Brian, and it's I I don't know. I I just knew he wasn't. I know he was a real deal. All right, it's like takes one to know one. I, I don't know if it's if it's that sort of yeah. thing. Um, and 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 I've I've thought of this since. Uh, you're really committed. I mean, you you keep coming back. You didn't come here one one week and say, hey, the, I, this, these are all the things I can do for you, and then we never heard from you again. So I mean, you've it's been a while now. Mm. Um, uh, God, it has to be almost ten years. So, but how long have you been yeah. in your position? Six. Six. Okay, so six years. So I was come up before that. Yeah, so, you did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so but yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think you know when it, it's easy to say take takes one to know one that that sort of thing. But I mean, just from the first time we talked, um, just the way you spoke about addiction and recovery, I can tell you're you know you're the real deal. So, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. What mm-hmm. about both? I know both of you guys are really uh, cognizant of your diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. Is that part of your recovery? If if that's the right phrase. I, yeah, I, I think it is. I think, and, and, and for me anyway, it came like, so once, um, once I got sober, I had liked exercise before. And so it just seemed natural just, and, and it's even to the point of, um, you know, there's, there's so, just so many volumes of, uh, it changes every week. It's almost some of the marketing you should be doing this and you shouldn't be doing this. Well, I, I think if you're going to do it and you like it, you should be doing it, whether that's, that's walking or, you know climbing Everest, you know, or anything in between. But I think it's just any of that. I think that there's a lot more of a mental health component to exercise than maybe it gets mm. credit for. Everybody just thinks of maybe some of the, the vanity and, and I can, I'll be able to do this after eight weeks, or I want to look like this for a, for a photo. Um, I, I just, and it took me years to figure that out, but I really think there's that whole mental health piece to it. I have to agree with that 100%. But the eating habits, um, <clears throat> they change completely. Um, I'm from Jersey, so uh, Jersey Ed is my name on the show, if you hear anybody's listening. But um, uh, we have Teller Egg and Cheese Sandwiches. Teller Egg and Teller Ham Egg and Cheese Sandwiches in Jersey. Pork roll, you guys have that out here? I don't know if you have that pork roll. It's just a meat that has just everything I've, in I've it. I've seen it's, it on the Food Network, yeah, and I want to yeah, try yeah, okay, it, actually. Right. So it's so, a Jersey yeah. thing. It's actually made in Trenton, mm-hmm. and I used to live off of those sandwiches, like mm-hmm. constantly just eating those sandwiches, and it's not. It's just like processed meat and yeah. squished in it. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's, it's really good, but it's horrible for you. So that was was, was my life. Then I got the recovery. They were going to be one of our sponsors. <clears throat> oh, where are they? Oh, well, Taylor Ham, Taylor Ham is done for them. <laughs> um, but, you know... Um, and some of your cop, your cop friends listening, they'll probably know what, what I'm talking about. Um, but, uh, you know, just putting bad stuff in your body, you know, it just, it's just like alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, putting the bad stuff in my body. Why should I, why should I put bad food in my body? If I'm not putting bad alcohol, if I'm putting, not putting those drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. in my body, why don't I start putting some healthier stuff into my body? And that's how I ended up getting, um, getting into it. And then, uh, Years and years ago, um, I, I exercise all the time just like you do, Eric. And um, years and years ago, um, I was the wellness coordinator over at the store. Two, uh, two years into my recovery, uh, the big orange store. Um, and, of course, I want to save the world. I want everybody to be you know, sober like me two years into it. Come on, it's a perfect world. I'm the shit, man. Come on. Um, so uh, I became the wellness coordinator. Why not? So uh, <clears throat> now I've never exercised before. I, to this point, I probably still didn't do much. Um I got a letter in the mail saying you have to go run a 5K. 
freaking a 5k i'm like now we didn't have these things a yeah. phone you know you type in 5k and i'll tell you exactly what it is mm-hmm. i had to go research like what a 5k was well 5k is 3.1 um, mile and um i'm looking at that i'm like you want me to run a three mile run and you know so anyway so that that's how it built up um two years later i ran it well, almost two years into my recovery i ran my first marathon and um, I just got hooked and I never exercised before, never, ever had any, never inkling to exercise. Um, let me tell you, cocaine was a good workout partner. <laughs> I could put my heart right to freaking work all the time. So I didn't really need a, uh, I didn't really need a, uh, cardio when you, when you use cocaine. So, um, but I don't suggest that for anybody's workout yeah, program no, yeah, at yeah, all. We're not, we're um, not promoting th- that. yes, not at all, but in my addiction, that's the crazy sure. thinking that you have. Yeah, so. that's a good that's a good way of looking at it. And, and I've seen I've seen articles from um, treatment uh, other treatment centers that have done studies. I believe running. I don't know. There's a certain number of people in recovery that running just seems to be what they really. Um, Mm-hmm. Well, because of the endorphins, you that, get must, that, that must be what it is. Yeah. Even when I'm like, you probably heard my voice changing when I started talking about exercising yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. I get really hyped up about about exercise. I just get that that endorphin mm-hmm. high from it. Um, I did. A, I went out running yesterday, and I'm like, well, I can probably do ten. I haven't ran in a while, but I can probably mm-hmm. do ten. I ended up doing eleven, and I just had to tweak a couple things, and I was able to go run eleven miles yesterday, and I loved it. It was two hours by myself. That's my church. I don't go to church. Um, no offense to anybody out there, but that's my thing. It's my church. Get to talk to God and, and work out some problems and relax and kind of figure out the world when I'm running those, those Well, and I miles. don't think, sometimes we think um, balance is somehow the highest virtue. I, I think if you're trying to survive and trying to um, switch it up from your addiction, okay, maybe you're obsessive about something else for a while better to do something mm-hmm. relatively healthy yeah. healthy distractions healthy yeah. uh, interests yeah. Yeah. and yeah. then i imagine at aa meetings i think you already mentioned it they're going to call you out on those other things too maybe mm-hmm. you know if you're if you mm-hmm. if you need to be woken yep. up and if you something. if you if you have a a strong sponsor mm-hmm. which yep. i always recommend yep. to everyone um uh, that, that's kind of what I mean. I've called people out on that mm-hmm. uh, sponsees. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what what you should be looking out for, right? Right. Um, well, if if you work a good program, you're going to keep yourself in check. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not keep yourself in check. Have somebody keep you in check, and you can't do that on your own. You, you know, if you want to say, "Oh, what, am I going to do this or this today?" You, you know, you really can't. You, you want to take the easier, mm-hmm. softer way. Your sponsor's there to kind of direct you around that and say, okay, once you get through it, it's gonna, it might be a little bit harder, but you're going to get through it. So mm-hmm. sponsors are really important. That's a good point yep. that you brought up is to, yep. to make sure you get a sponsor from day one. And if anybody's having, you know, if somebody's scratching their head saying, yeah, I do have a drinking problem, listen to this. I am a cop. And what the hell are they talking about? Listen to Friends of Recovery Podcast. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> All right. <laughs> or, or, you know, just um, go to an AA meeting yep. or get a hold of one of us here right. and, and, yep. and all the information. We'll work you through it. This might be foreign language to somebody right mm-hmm. now, you know, and maybe the people who don't have a problem may not even understand this. Yep. Oh, um, man, I'm so you glad know? you brought what, what do you want to say <clears throat> to people listening right now? You already said that, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't think help is as mysterious and far away as and as and you're not, you're not the only one having these thoughts, you know. Mm-hmm. No, there's, you're not alone out there, number one. But Eric, when you and I got sober, 
it was harder to get sober way back when than it was um, today. Because yeah. um, oh, you had to walk uphill to the end. Yes, That's you had to walk right. uphill both, ways, yeah, both yeah. ways and the snow. And, no, but, but recovery is, is cool now. Oh. Recovery is really cool. Oh, Recovery is a mm-hmm. thing now. Yeah. Um, when when we were, well, I don't want to speak for you, but when I know when I was getting sober, it wasn't a thing. Um, I wear recovery on my sleeve. I tell everybody that I'm re- um, I'm in recovery. I don't care if anybody tells that I'm recovery. Obviously, if I go to an AA meeting, I'm not gonna say I've seen you there, mm-hmm. but um, you have my permission to tell. And I always, and this is what I told you from the beginning. If you have an officer, you can tell them I'm in recovery. Yeah. I'm proud of my recovery because I was not proud of that other life I was living. Yeah. That. Cr- crazy, insane life. Why shouldn't I be proud of all the accomplishments that I did? And it's because of AA. It's Dang. because of why that's why I'm, that's why I'm on your podcast. Not because of, you know, it's because of me getting sober. Why should I fucking hide that? Excuse my language. Right. <laughs> well, I, 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 um, yeah, I, I, Dang, I, I would wish say I was in recovery. <laughs> no, you know, it, it was hard getting here, Brian. No, I, w- I wish I had that, that, and then I was in recovery. Like, like sometimes I have to almost check myself because when, when I'm talking to people and they're, you know, and, and we're to the point of, you know, yeah, maybe I need treatment or whatever. I start getting excited, like, because I see treatment as that gift that's going to give them their life back. Oh, nice. You, and so, sure. and I think other people are looking at me like, oh, that's a sad day. Like it's, it's treatment. Oh, you can't. No, this is. You have a chance, right? Right. That we're even talking about this. You still have a chance mm-hmm. and it's something to be excited about because you have no idea what's waiting on the other yeah. side that you haven't seen for absolutely. Well, however many well, years. Eric, you've been you told, told me that too, where I've talked about all the way of framing up these arguments and talking to cops, this and that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know, they need success stories too. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, wow, that is mm-hmm. so true. There's a lot of fabulously successful recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and and just real quick, too, it's that it, it, as much as you can, I don't want to say normalize it, but but make it make it known that they're not them, they're not the only one. And the other thing about the disease is, is for me, it was always I'm different. You know what I mean? And that's and, and uh, that's what leads us down that dark path where you get so bad to begin with right i'm right. different so it, it's just it's not affecting me the same but but to let people know that that you know treatment isn't the end of the world mm-hmm. and um there's so many more people than you can think of you know i go into it in the book i won't go elaborate on now but just the dangers of that cop specialness mm-hmm. uh recurring recovery mm-hmm. what one thing if i can add to that sure when somebody calls me when it, when an addict calls me and they're ready for treatment I'll ask them, how are you doing? I ask that specifically every single time. And 100% of the time, they're, they'll say, well, not too good. It's, it hasn't been good or I'm okay or I'm fine. And we know what fine means mm-hmm. in recovery. I mm-hmm. won't say it, but look it up and go to a meeting. You'll figure it out. But, um, but they're, they think this is the worst day of their life. Mm-hmm. This day when they call me, my day when I came into treatment, that was the best day of my life wow. because I was able to put down everything. I was able to start a new life. And and when when we look at it as addicts and alcoholics, we're looking at it as this is our worst day because that that drug or that alcohol was our best friend. We're losing our best friend. We're losing our, our wife, our lover, our everything. And we think it's the end of the world, but it's not. It's really the beginning of a new new life that that's just going to take you places you'll never even believe where you can go that's good that's really good message speaking of messages i want to just uh, quote my own book here because it's uh, (laughs) because he can (laughs) well because the author is a genius yes absolutely um, no because it involves something that eric said to me it says you know a friend in recovery told me the best thing that happened to him 
were generated by him. And if you are in a bad way, uh, feeling lost, unsure, and without a plan, saving yourself can include asking for help from a friend or professional. Mm. So, Eric, that first part about uh, generated, what did you think, what did you mean by that? Uh, wait, did, can you, you were just, listening. Yeah, no, I, oh, I, was, I was listening. <laughs> as soon as I said the author, it was like, like oh, I, I almost got too deep for myself, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. What? Who said I that? I said that. The, <laughs> thing, the, 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 the best things that happened to you, because it's in that area where I talk about mm-hmm. saving yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in police work, we, we really do should have this attitude. I might have to flight, fight to the bloody death yep. by myself. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of anything in life of saving yourself. And then I go on to talk about how you had mentioned that the best things that happened to you were the things generated by you. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I think a lot of this comes to, and, and, and even as I was listening to Ed and we were talking about sponsors, I, I really think that for me, it was, it was the humility. And to me though, the, the humility is being willing so you you have you've lived your life you know that you, you you have this riot going on, and all of a sudden you're going to start listening to other people who've been down that road hmm. and know better than you. Hmm. But that but that's and that's where the, like the, the rubber really meets the road. It's we you know we hear it it gets used almost cliche. Oh, I'm just staying humble. Well, to me the humility is is saying I can't. I, you know what I, I I'm throwing my hands up here I need help and and when you offer the help even though I don't agree with it because I've been I've been doing my own thing for so long now I'm gonna actually listen to you and I'm gonna actually follow it hmm. well and maybe what that does that humility actually sets you up to be of good service to someone else yeah, down absolutely the road. you know it's, it's, because you know because you they approach you in a way because you've you've humbled yourself mm-hmm, by mm-hmm whatever experience or observation about yourself that now you are in a state of mind where you're able to do something for somebody else. And you're, you're open. You're yep. more open. Yeah. You're, it's not my way or the highway. Yep. You're open yep. to more things in life and, and understanding also. Huh. And it's not just, it's not just lip service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone tells you something and you actually follow it and then you see, you follow through and you see, Hey, you know what, this, right. this works for me. And it's that, I mean, it's if if, you, if I had to boil it down to, to two things, it's 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 being humble and grateful, mm-hmm. and that's where I mean, even even the the grateful, like you you thank me for coming over here and, and taking time out of my day. No, this is great. You know, this this might help. So this is this is good for me. Hell you know? yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a selfish act that we do. Yeah. You know, and being selfish, um, we put ourselves out there and explain what, what you know mm-hmm. who we are. But this helps us. I mean, mm-hmm. I flew over from Philly to come here. And I couldn't wait to do this because I didn't know you were going to be here because yeah. I didn't have your phone number, oh, <laughs> the right, right phone yeah. number. So I'm we thinking have that like, all fixed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I knew I was going to talk about my recovery, and I knew I was going to be able to help maybe maybe one person that's listening. Mm-hmm. If not, it was just talking about what I did in listening to. Um, my life the way it used to be and I don't want to be in that used to be and even now and in recovery and correct me if I'm wrong Eric Mm -hmm. we still grow I mean I'm growing daily and 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 just just kind of um trying to figure things out in life Um, yep and and, you know it's something just hit me uh, a few weeks ago I even if I look back to when I was first sober even things that were important to me you know just other outside life things are like kind of you know why did I waste time worrying about oh, that yeah. or whatever oh, yeah. yeah so I mean yeah you really do yeah absolutely yeah. I I um I, I kind of went I went to a Tony Robbins um 
uh, what you call it, conference or, or expo mm-hmm. or whatever about a month ago now. And that enlightened me, believe it or not. Oh. That was just a big, he, he was, he, it was like an AA meeting. It was, it was great. Yeah. I had a, it was, it was a blast. One thing I did find out from myself, again, I'm growing. And one thing I did find out about, about, I don't have to say no to anything or I don't have to say I can't anymore. That's what that really taught me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I was saying, I went one on my run on Sunday and I, um, I haven't did a long run in a long time. And I, and I kept putting myself down like, oh, you're no good. You know, that, that you know, those old mm. tapes that are, that are going on. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to run the best 10 miles that I can on Sunday. No, I haven't ran 10 miles in a long time. I think I got up to six or seven miles, um, but I figured it out. I don't have to run an eight minute pace. Uh-huh. I can run a 10 minute pace. I can run a 12 minute pace. My end goal is to run the 10 miles. Well, unfortunately, I didn't run 10 miles. I ran 11 miles uh-huh. <laughs> because I can, you know, yeah. and, and, and I was able to put my mind to it. And when you put your mind to something, whatever it is, if it's if it's recovery, if it's whatever, you can do it, and and you can only better your life. Especially in recovery, we can we you know you, you better your life once you put that drug mm-hmm. or, or or drink down, and it just makes life yep. so much better. Put it putting it down, and then and then living in recovery too. Mm. That's that because that, that's where yeah. the the. That's where you make the changes, I guess. Yeah, living is living yeah. is very important. Yep. You, you know, I mean, you can go to all the meetings you mm-hmm. want, but if you don't put these this plan into action, it just your life sucks, mm-hmm. basically. Yep. It's, yeah. You then know, you're you just got a shit life. Yep. You're just you're just going through life. Yeah. Not using not using what you always wanted to do, yeah. and that's all you're thinking about. Just go. So you know, you're, not, you're a dry you're drunk. Really, you might yep. as well go freaking drink. Yeah. So. You know, I mm-hmm. think. Um, I've heard your story, not maybe from kind of beginning to end, but I've heard Eric tell his story because he's done some Blue Watch training, mm-hmm. and it was pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. I mean, Eric, you were com- yeah. you were in a coma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ed, wow, that's you- cool. I never got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Just kidding, you know, I, I got to, I know I, that's, that's a perfect segue for this because and I've, I've heard about this at, at meetings and at treatment and the counselor brought this up and it's, it's true. He's like, what else but a group of alcoholics and addicts who, who had this, this near death experience and they're in treatment and they're, and they're pissed because they didn't yeah. see the white light that was described <laughs> yeah. to them. Do you know oh, what yeah. I mean? They're, they're complaining yeah. about that. Yeah. And here you are, you're sitting here. <laughs> for, so. for it was red and blue lights. Yeah, oh yeah. The red right. and blue lights. Right. 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 Those guys always chase me. I don't know why, but <laughs> Um, well, let me just say this, and this is something we should say. You can lose it all. Mm-hmm. A cop that's drinking mm-hmm. and not managing his mm-hmm. drinking, you got to know you can lose everything. Mm-hmm. You can lose mm-hmm. your, uh, your job. You can lose your loved ones. Mm-hmm. You can lose your freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two guys I'm talking to, for whatever reason, you got close, uh, and I'm sure you wouldn't want to go back there again, but uh, no, instead, no. instead you are productive, contributing humans that are helping others, you know. Absolutely. And, and nobody ever wants to go there, but this disease wants us there. This disease is still on our shoulder. This disease is still telling us that this might not be the right way. And there is a certain little bit of doubt, like maybe I can. Oh, I know I can't. But this disease is sitting there waiting for us to get weak and not go to a meeting, not talk to a sponsor, not to do these shows, not to have sober people in your life. Because the minute it can find that little, little 
little open it'll attack and it'll take us down and we'll go to places we never ever want to be or never think think we can be at again yeah i mean that's like i i couldn't i couldn't put it any you know, better it's 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 like it's there it's it's probably getting stronger mm-hmm. right oh yeah um but for you know AA what's and, getting and stronger your sobriety disease. the disease of, a, yeah. of addiction I as think hard as we work on our sobriety that disease has mm-hmm. to work to keep up oh, to keep it to keep it going because yeah. this mm-hmm. disease never goes away for for you folks out there who don't who has to have the privilege that does not have this yeah. this addiction um it's always there it's never going to go away but here's the best way to explain it to everybody you guys are cops um when you come home you guys put your gun down, take your badge off, take your uniform off. But there's still a piece of you guys that are police officer. You're always watching. You're always looking. You never turn that police, that being a, a police officer off. You can't. It's it's who you are. Same thing with this disease. I can never know that I can turn that, this off and, and be, okay, well, I'll never drink again. Bullshit. I don't know. I don't know that. So I can never turn it off. Um, and I have to be vigil about it. So if I'm vigil about my recovery, that disease has to keep up with me and be stronger and stronger as I get stronger and stronger. I believe anyway. Yep. You know, and I've heard um, our, one of our friends, Matt Flynn, is a St. Paul cop that did another podcast where he talks about this. And he tells this funny story where he, where he doesn't know he's being funny, but it is funny. He says, <laughs> I, I, he doesn't really have the urge to drink anymore because he has enough years beyond that, he, that, those, that, he, that part of his life is kind of stabilized. But he said he still goes to meetings because he still has an urge to be an asshole. He's yes, asshole. I've heard him. Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, and, yes. And, and he also says, um, uh, you know, so that's just a reminder, too, of you just got you're like everybody else. You mm-hmm. got to work mm-hmm. on your life yeah. for now, yeah. forever yeah. and ever. And OK, this is your issue. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's got something, I guess, you yeah. know, yeah. and uh, you've gained a lot from this, too. It's mm-hmm. kind of sped up some things. And maybe you're grateful because you're able to. You were able to repair some of those mm-hmm. relationships, or you value relationships differently. Absolutely. Such. Well, yeah. you, I mean, you got away with it with your life. You were in a coma. I I should have been dead a thousand yep. times over along with you. But how about those those poor folks that are that are not making it or dying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Seventy two thousand people died of an overdose last year. That's not a first responder or, or a cop statistic. That's mm-hmm. the United States. Mm-hmm. Seventy two thousand people. So you got you got the Viking Stadium over here, whatever it's called. Um, what do they call? now u.s um, bank u.s bank yeah. okay oh, so let's, it holds, let's cut that out i don't want to <laughs> it holds about seventy thousand people give or take i'm guessing yeah so um, on a on any given sunday you got seventy thousand people running around on a monday all those people are gone that's what mm-hmm. last year's statistic was for this disease that that kills us you know mm-hmm. so we we are the lucky ones sitting Absolutely. here we yeah. are privileged privileged to be yeah. here we escape death um and we're here to talk about it yeah. I'll just correct it. It's the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome. That's what it is. <laughs> is that what it is? I'll tell you, I saw Hubert Humphrey when I was a kid. Big deal, I guess. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I see a statue outside of City Hall every yeah, day when I enter. Who is, who is he? On us. time. He was the vice president. He was the mayor of Minneapolis. Oh, okay. Uh, he okay. Was, uh, Big local. Yeah. Oh, 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 Humphrey. Yeah. Oh, what the? Yeah. Yeah. All right. You you old guys know that. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, thank you so much for everything you've done for me and made me better at my job. And uh, 
and the truth-telling thing. That is really important to me. Mm -hmm. People that make, I feel more sane talking to you guys. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. That's our manipulation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, but uh, we really get something out of this, too. Even even when I I stopped over, you know, uh, what what was the first thing I did? I mean, I... I told you about something I was dealing with yeah. outside of here, yeah. right? But uh, I, I think I was asking for your approval in a way. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So, yeah, it's... it's yeah, I hear you. And that's... It's that a actually, two-way street. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing that I probably have said, I've been to uh, some training sessions or other meetings with both of you guys. There's something that one alcoholic seems to see in the other alcoholic's oh, yeah. eyes mm-hmm. it makes me a little jealous um <laughs> but it's also like wow it's a kind of a knowing mm-hmm. <clears throat> maybe it's that humility thing mm-hmm. it uh if you survive man this is a good way to live it is mm-hmm. i i have no complaints mm-hmm. all right well thanks thank you thanks brian